Chapter 17 of the Star Chamber, an Historical Romance, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Star Chamber, Volume 1, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 17, A Rash Promise. During the slender repast, Jocelyn, in reply to the inquiries of the Puritan, explained the twofold motive of his coming to London, namely the desire of taking vengeance on his father's enemies, and the hope of obtaining some honorable employment, such as a gentleman might accept. "'My chances in the latter respect are not very great,' he said, "'seeing I have no powerful friends to aid me in my endeavors, and I must consequently trust to fortune. But as regards my enemies, if I can only win an audience of the king, and plead my cause before him, I do not think he will deny me justice.' justice exclaimed the puritan with deep scorn james stuart knows it not an arch hypocrite and perfidious as hypocritical he holdeth as a maxim that dissimulation is necessary to a ruler he has the cowardice and the ferocity of the hyena he will promise fairly but his deeds will falsify his words recollect how his judas kiss betrayed somerset recollect his conduct toward the gowries but imagine not, because you have been evil and treated and oppressed, that the king will redress your wrongs and reinstate you in your fallen position. Rather will he take part with the usurers and extortioners who have deprived you of your inheritance. How many poor wretches doth he daily condemn to the same lingering agonies and certain destruction that he doomed your father? Lamentable as is the good Sir Ferdinando's case, it stands not alone. It is one of many and many, many more will be added to the list if this tyrannical Herodias be suffered to govern. And, as if goaded by some stinging thought that drove him nigh distracted, Hugh Calvary arose and paced to and fro within the chamber. His brow became gloomier and his visage sterner. "'Bear with him, good Master Jocelyn,' Aveline said in a low tone. "'He hath been unjustly treated by the king, and, as you see, can ill brook the usage. Bear with him, I pray of you.' Jocelyn had no time to make reply. Suddenly checking himself, and fixing his earnest gaze upon the young man, the Puritan said, "'Give ear to me, my son. If I desired to inflame your breast with rage against this tyrant, I should need only to relate one instance of his cruelty and injustice. I had a friend, a very dear friend,' he continued in a tone of deep pathos, "'confined within the fleet prison by a decree of the Star Chamber. He was to me as a brother,' and to see him gradually pining away cut me to the soul. Proud by nature, he refused to abase himself to his oppressor, and could not be brought to acknowledge wrongs he had never committed. Pardon, therefore, was denied him, not pardon merely, but all mitigation of suffering. My friend had been wealthy, but heavy fines and penalties had stripped him of his possessions, and brought him to destitution. Lord of an ancient hall, with woods and lands around it, wherein he could ride for hours without quitting his own domains. His territories were now narrowed to a few yards, while one dark, dreary chamber was alone accorded him. Finding he must necessarily perish if left to rot there, I prevailed upon him, not without much reluctance on his part, to petition the king for liberation, and was myself the bearer of his prayer. Earnestly pleading the cause of the unfortunate man and representing his forlorn condition, I besought his majesty's gracious intercession. But when I had wearied the royal ear with entreaties, the sharp reply was, Doth he make submission? Will he confess his offense? 
and as I could only affirm that as he was guilty of no crime, so he could confess none, the king returned me the petition, coldly observing, The dignity of our court of star chamber must be maintained before all things. He hath been guilty of contempt towards it, and must purge him of the offence. But the man will die, sire, I urged, if he be not removed from the fleet. His prison lodging is near a foul ditch, and he is sick with fever. Neither can he have such aid of medicine or of nursing as his case demands. The greater reason he should relieve himself by speedy acknowledgment of the justice of his sentence, said the king. The matter rests not with us, but with himself. But he is a gentleman, sire, I persisted, to whom truth is dearer than life, and who would rather languish in misery for thrice the term he is likely to last than forfeit his own self-esteem by admitting falsehood and injustice. Then let him perish in his pride and obstinacy, cried the king impatiently, and thereupon he dismissed me. Oh, sir, exclaimed Jocelyn, rising and throwing his arms round the Puritan's neck, you then were the friend who tended my poor father in his last moments. Heaven bless you for it. Yes, Jocelyn, it was I who heard your father's latest sigh, the Puritan replied, returning his embrace, and your own name was breathed with it. His thoughts were of his son far away, too young to share his distresses or to comprehend them. Alas, alas, cried Jocelyn mournfully. Lament not for your father, Jocelyn, said the Puritan solemnly. He is reaping the reward of his earthly troubles in heaven. Be comforted, I say. The tyrant can no longer oppress him, and he is beyond the reach of his malice. He can be arraigned at no more unjust tribunals. He is where no cruel and perfidious princes, no iniquitous judges, no griping extortioners shall ever enter. Jocelyn endeavored to speak, but his emotion overpowered him. I have already told you that your father rendered me a service impossible to be adequately requited, pursued the Puritan. What that service was I will one day inform you. Suffice it now that it bound me to him in chains firmer than brass. Willingly would I have laid down my life for him, if he had desired it. Gladly would I have taken his place in the fleet prison, if that could have procured him liberation. Unable to do either, I watched over him while he lived, and buried him when dead." "'Oh, sir, you have bound me to you as strongly as you were bound to my father,' cried Jocelyn. "'For the devotion shown to him, I hold myself eternally your debtor.' The Puritan regarded him steadfastly for a moment. "'What if I were to put these professions to the test?' he asked. "'Do so,' Jocelyn replied earnestly. "'My life is yours.' "'Your life!' exclaimed Hugh Calvary, grasping his arm almost fiercely, while his eye blazed. "'Consider what you offer.' I need not consider, Jocelyn rejoined. I repeat, my life is yours if you demand it. Perhaps I shall demand it, cried Hugh Calvary, ere long, perhaps. Demand it when you will, Jocelyn said. Father, Aveline interposed, do not let the young man bind himself by this promise. Release him, I pray of you. The promise cannot be recalled, my child, the Puritan replied, but I shall never claim its fulfillment save for some high and holy purpose. "'Are you sure your purpose is holy, father?' Avalon said in a low tone. "'What mean you, child?' cried Hugh Cavalier, knitting his brows. "'I am but an instrument in the hands of heaven, appointed to do its work, and as directed, so I must act. Heaven may make me the scourge of the oppressor and evildoer, or the sword to slay the tyrant. I may die a martyr for my faith, or do battle for it with carnal weapons. For all these I am ready.' 
resigning myself to the will of God. Is it for nothing, thinkst thou, that this young man, the son of my dear departed friend, has been brought hither at this particular juncture? Is it for nothing that, wholly unsolicited, he has placed his life at my disposal, and in doing so has devoted himself to a great cause? Like myself he hath wrongs to avenge, and the Lord of hosts will give him satisfaction. But not in the way you propose, father, Aveline rejoined. Heaven will assuredly give you both satisfaction for the wrongs you have endured, but it must choose its own means of doing so, and its own time. It hath chosen the means, and the time is coming quickly, cried the Puritan, his eye again kindling with fanatical light. The Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail. These things are riddles to me, observed Jocelyn, who had listened to what was passing with great uneasiness. I would solicit an explanation. You shall have it, my son, Hugh Calvary replied, but not now. My hour for solitary prayer and self-communion is come, and I must withdraw to my chamber. Go forth into the garden, Jocelyn, and do thou attend him, Aveline. I will join you when my devotions are ended. So saying, he quitted the room, while the youthful pair went forth as enjoined. End of chapter 17